Bwrida, good morning and a very warm welcome to morning worship in the parish of Castlewchur and Gorsainen. For most of the world, the pomp and pageantry of Christmas is well and truly over. But for us as a church, the journey of discovery to learn more about Jesus and his identity has only just begun. Today is Epiphany and we begin that journey in earnest. During our service today, Karen will be reading from the scriptures, Alida will be praying for us, and I'll be helping us to understand those scriptures a little bit better. But as our worship begins then, let me pray the special prayer of the church for today, the Collect for Epiphany. Gracious God, who by the leading of a star manifested your only Son to the peoples of the earth, mercifully grant that we, who know now by faith, may soon behold your glory face to face. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
reading is taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our great Redeemer. Amen. Well, on Boxing Day this year, I visited a local supermarket and much to my surprise, they were already packing away the decorations. Christmas was well and truly over for another year. But for us in the church, the journey has just begun. It's a journey of discovery and it's about going deeper with Jesus and discovering more and more about him and what it means to follow him. Today is Epiphany. I don't know if you've ever heard it said that someone has had an epiphany moment, come to a new realisation or an understanding about something. Well, today we're challenged to think about Jesus, to ponder his identity and to think about what it means to follow him. The familiar story of the visitors from the East help us to do this as we see different responses to Jesus in our reading today. Let's take a look at it together. The first of those responses was in King Herod. His response was one of anger and rejection. He'd been king in Palestine by the time the gospel was written for about 40 years. It was no mistake that he was called Herod the Great. He'd ruled over one of the longest periods of stability and peace in the history of Palestine. In many ways, he was a very capable leader. He was an architect and a builder, a man of great vision. But he had one deep flaw. He was very suspicious of people and he didn't tolerate people when they, when they posed as a rival to his own power. He became paranoid and he started to plot against others. When the visitors came from the east then, asking Herod if he knew where the king of the Jews was to be born, you can only begin to imagine how he responded. There was only one king of the Jews, and that was certainly Herod. His anger and his paranoia led him to do something incredible. He murdered every child under the age of two in the area of Bethlehem. It's quite sickening and astonishing. The very thought of Jesus as Messiah made Herod angry. He rejected the idea that somebody else could have power and dominion over him, that somebody else could be Lord of his life. It's not unusual, is it, when we mention the name Jesus for people to sometimes respond in extreme ways. I don't know if you've ever been part of a conversation and you've mentioned your faith or Jesus and you've been surprised or taken aback by someone's extreme or angry response. That's sometimes because they've experienced a bad experience of church or of a Christian and as a result they've projected that bad experience onto Jesus. For us too, closer to home, there's probably been times when we felt angry at Jesus, maybe because things have not been going well, or because somebody that we know or somebody that we love is unwell or has died. And the pain that we've experienced in our lives has been so intense that we've been angry with, with Jesus. We found it impossible to even think about the idea of having faith 
and following him. So like Herod, one response to Jesus is to be angry or to reject him, to reject his claim of lordship in and over our lives. The second response then is the one of the chief priests and the teachers of the law. Their response was one of apathy. They were non-committal. Let's look at it again. When Herod went to the chief priests and to the teachers of the law seeking advice, where is the Messiah, the King of the Jews, to be born? They knew the answer. The answer was right there in the scriptures. He was to be born in Bethlehem, in Judea. But when they gave that answer, what happened next? You might have expected the very next verse to say that they hurried off to Bethlehem to discover who it was that was born there, to greet that long-expected, long-awaited Messiah that they'd been waiting for. But no, that's not what they do. They give Herod the answer, he's to be born in Bethlehem in Judea, and then they carry on with their lives as if nothing had changed. They're untroubled, unconcerned with the news that they'd received. How many people in your life do you know that are aware of all the facts about Jesus, and yet they're unconcerned with him? They don't recognise him as king in their lives or in their hearts. Often the knowledge that they have in their head isn't something that's gone to the heart. And they're apathetic about Jesus, unconcerned with him. And that can be a very real spiritual malaise. So Herod rejects Jesus. He becomes angry with him. The teachers of the law and the chief priests, they're unconcerned about Jesus, apathetic at best about him. But there is a third way, and it's the way of the visitors from the East. They accept Jesus and they worship him as a result. And it seems to me that today's gospel represents that journey of faith that each of us have to go on as we move into a deeper experience of God. The story is a kind of a four-stage journey that goes from the head to the heart. First, the visitors from the East study the facts. The journey of faith begins with asking questions. Where is the king of the Jews to be born? They were astrologers. They'd seen an unusual star. And so they questioned what it meant, what its significance was. Secondly, after they'd asked their questions, they looked for answers. And to do that, they knew that they had to set out on a journey. Inevitably, that journey involved vulnerability and risk. It was a journey that took them to the court of King Herod, where their lives inevitably could have been put in danger. But their desire for truth was much stronger than their sense of fear. Third, 
they come into the presence of Jesus. And there, meeting him face to face, they worship him. Part of their worship was about giving him gifts. They gave him gold and frankincense and myrrh. Each one of the gifts, a symbol that they'd recognised and seen, known and understood the identity of Jesus. Gold for a king. Frankincense, a bit like incense, was burnt in the temple as a symbol that they recognised Jesus as Emmanuel, God with them. And myrrh was a kind of sweet fragrance that they used to embalm a dead body. They recognised that this king, this God, Emmanuel, with them, would be the very God who would die for their sins, for my sins and for yours. He would die, he would conquer death, and he would rise again triumphant. Their worship was a sacrificial worship. They were prepared to give, not just to receive. They were astrologers, probably from Persia. They looked carefully at the stars and they pondered the planets. In Jewish first century times, the word magi, as they're described in the Bible today, was to do with magic and for the Jews, that kind of things was certainly condemned. They were the outsiders, but they recognised in God that outsiders were made insiders, that nobody was beyond the realms of God's incredible and unconditional love. I wonder if you've pondered the story of Christmas, but you felt as if you were outside of it, looking in, that it was a story for someone else, for the holy and shiny people, the kind of people who had crossed every T and dotted every I. Well, if that's you, the story of the visitors from the East remind us that in Jesus, the outsider becomes the insider, that nobody is beyond God's acceptance and unconditional love. Everyone is precious to God. And recognising this, coming face to face with Jesus, and worshipping him. They're then warned in a dream to go back home by another way. They go back to their everyday lives, leaving Jesus in the stable, but not leaving him behind, because they take their experience of Jesus, their encounter with him, back into their everyday lives. Verse 12 is incredibly, incredible, easy to miss. They go back by another road, inspired by God in a dream. And it's true to say, I think, that every single one of us who meets with Jesus, every single one of us who has a real experience of Jesus in our lives, nothing is the same thereafter. We go back to our everyday life, but we take another road. Life is never the same again. And it's true that under the guidance of God, 
he chooses a new route for us. So in response to the visitors of the East, we go on our own journey, our own journey of faith, a journey that perhaps started with questions, a journey that meant setting out in vulnerability. It meant taking risks as we sought that truth. But it was a journey too that brought us closer to Jesus, a journey that brought us face to face with him, where we called to give him everything that we can offer. We called to give him our lives. But when God sends us out, he inspires us and he guides us. He guides us onto a new journey with the experience of Jesus in our hearts. It's the way of worship, the way of adoration, the way that God has chosen for us. So today, each and every one of us is confronted with Jesus and we're challenged to make a response, to think about what we make of him and what it means to follow him. Are we going to be like Herod, become angry about Jesus and reject him? Will we be like the chief priests and the teachers of the law and simply remain lost in apathy? Or will we be like the visitors from the East and set out on our own journey of faith? Yes, it's true. It's not always an easy journey. It can sometimes be difficult. It's not without its questions or its doubts. It's not without its sacrificial actions. But it is a journey that brings us closer to Jesus, God's Son, our Saviour. It's a journey too that always takes us on a new road. A new road under God's guidance. A new road that leads us towards grace and love, compassion and peace. I pray that today you would journey closer to Jesus. Amen.
Isaiah prophesied, an heir to David's throne will emerge and he will rise up as ruler over all the nations for all their hopes will be met in him. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Let us worship the Saviour with joy. Father, fill us with the spirit of adoration. Fill us with the revelation of your majesty and beauty. The star led the Magi to Bethlehem. Let us rejoice that Jesus was born for all of us, whatever nationality. Lord of glory, hear our prayer. The baby Jesus received gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. Father, accept the gifts we bring to you. We bring you all that we have and all that we are. Jesus, we offer our possessions to you, our King. We offer our worship to you, our High Priest. We offer our struggles and sorrows, knowing you bear our burdens with us and are constantly praying for us in heaven. Lord of glory, hear our prayer. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Father, we ask for an abundance of peace in your world. Bring your peace that passes all understanding to those in despair, especially those who are enduring severe lockdowns and separation from family and friends. Lord of glory, hear our prayer. The Holy Family lived in exile and in the shadow of death. Father, look in mercy on all who are poor and powerless and all who suffer. We pray for refugees, those who are living in camps or attempting perilous journeys, especially those who are fleeing persecution for worshipping Jesus. Lord of glory, hear our prayer. Your son shared the life of his home and family at Nazareth. Father, protecting your love, our neighbours, our families and the communities that make up the parish of Llucher and Gosainan. May we be filled with hope and joy in this new year. Fill us with a new love and concern for each other. Lord of glory, hear our prayer. Romans 15:13 says, Now may God, the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. Amen.
Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been great to have your company. Can I, on behalf of the church family, wish you a happy new year? I hope it'll be full of blessings for you. And as we begin now that new year together, 2022, let me pray for God's blessing on us. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen.